Psalms 19 verse 10 says that God's word is sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So if you have your Bible with you today, and I hope you do, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the end of verse 7, which concludes for us a message on how believing husbands can advance the cause of Christ and His gospel through showing respectful sensitivity towards their wives. See, Peter's been showing us here in this letter of 1 Peter that our daily mission, our constant objective as elect exiles, as those who have been chosen by God for eternal salvation and yet are experiencing increasing rejection from the world here on earth, that our constant objective as elect exiles here on earth is to glorify God by reflecting Christ in order to reach the world. That's why we're still here. It is to glorify God by reflecting Christ in order to reach the world. And the starting point for all three of those things, the key to glorifying God, you might say, the key to reflecting Christ, and the key to reaching the lost in our generation, Peter says it all begins in the same place, by showing enduring goodness. See, Peter's reminded us back in chapter 2, verse 3, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have tasted and we have seen in Jesus the goodness of the Lord. And therefore, as chapter 2, verse 12, verse 15, verse 20, all repeatedly state, we are to show that same goodness of Christ that we've experienced to those around us. What we have received as believers in Jesus, we are to reflect. Even in the face of increasing hardship and difficulties, our mission and our objective always remains the same. We as elect exiles have been called to show the enduring goodness of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And as outlined in verse 17, Peter has been showing us what that enduring goodness ought to look like day in and day out. We saw in verses 13 through 16 that it looks like being properly subject to our earthly authorities. And now we're seeing from chapter 2, verse 17, really on into this verse, that enduring goodness also ought to look like honoring everyone. This is what sets us apart from the unsaved world. This is what causes the glory of Jesus to be seen by those who wouldn't see or care about it any other way. It is by reflecting the unique attributes of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who always showed proper submission to His governing authorities and who also honored everyone, showed them the respect that they deserved as fellow image bearers of God. This is where glorifying God, reflecting Jesus and reaching the lost all begins for you and me on a daily basis. It begins by by showing honor and respect towards everyone starting in our own households. That's been Peter's point ever since the beginning of chapter 3. If you want to show the enduring goodness of Christ towards those who are closest to you, beginning in your own families, then it starts with showing honor and respect to your spouse. There's a great commission call to this. right? So oftentimes we look at these verses in Scripture that are talking about how we're supposed to interact in the family. And we sit there and say, well, you know, those are written for the good of society. Or we might say, well, those are written so that the husband and wife interact in a way, so it's for the good of the children. It is way greater than that. We are not at the center of this universe. These instructions are given so that Christ might be honored and exalted. He's at the center of this universe. And the point is, our society and our children need to see the glory of Jesus and his gospel through even how a husband and wife interact with each other on a daily basis. That's at the heart of this. It's at the glory of Christ. And so 
Peter says, if you want to be about that great commission every day, well then, consider beginning by showing honor and respect to your spouse. Peter outlines exactly what that marital respect that reflects Jesus looks like in verses 1 through 7. In verses 1 through 6, we saw the Christ-like wife's respectful submission to her husband. And now in verse 7, we've been studying the Christ-like husband's respectful sensitivity to his wife. And God's directive for husbands here can be examined in three parts. Three parts. Last week we looked at the command to respect your wife. There at the beginning of verse 7 where Peter writes, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. See, we as husbands are called to, and we looked at this last week quite a bit, we're called to live with our wives, we're called to know our wives, and we're called to honor our wives. Why? Because this is exactly what Christ does for the church, for you and I. Christ dwelt among us. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart, and he bestows upon us honor, eternal honor, even though none of us deserves it. And husbands are to imitate Christ in this regard on a daily basis. We're to follow in our Savior's footsteps. And just like when it comes to wives, the only way that you as a husband can follow Jesus in this regard, I want to be clear, is by relying on the grace and the Spirit of Christ that has already been given to you since you have been born. Again, as chapter 1, verse 3 says. As 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 says, you have the mind of Christ, husbands. Romans 8, verse 9, you have the Spirit of Christ. John 1, verse 17, you have the grace of Christ. In short, Galatians 2, 20 says, you have the life of Christ within you. And therefore, the call for wives to respect their husbands and the call for husbands to respect their wives is not a call that's being given here in this passage for for, uh, Christians to manufacture something that's completely alien to you. No, it is simply a call, what we're seeing in these verses, it is simply a call to live out the life of Christ that you as a believer in Jesus Christ have already come to know, possess, and experience in Him. That's what these verses are all about. It's to live out the life of Christ that you already have. As the Puritan Henry Skugel once wrote, True religion is simply a reflection of the divine perfections. It is the image of the Almighty shining in the soul of a man. And that includes the verses that we're looking at here in 1 Peter. It's a real participation in His nature. It is a beam of the eternal light, a drop of that infinite ocean of goodness. And those who are endowed with it can, have, can be said to have God dwelling in their souls and Christ formed within them. And so when God is telling husbands here to live with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman just like Jesus has to you, what he's telling us is, believer, reflect what you've received. Reflect what you've received. If Christ dwells with, knows, and honors you, then you are to dwell with, know, and honor your wife. And you can do it. You can do it. God gives his children grace to show others his goodness. That's the command to respect your wife, and we're not finished yet. This morning we're going to look at the final two points, which include the illustration of respecting your wife. There in the middle of verse 7, show honor to the woman how? As the weaker vessel, followed by the reasons for respecting your wife there at the end of verse 7, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
So we're going to look at the illustration followed by the reasons for showing respectful sensitivity to your wife for the sake of the gospel. So with that in mind, please stand with me as I read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. You guys have gotten your workout today. Here we go. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words for us today. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the Word of God who gives us understanding according to His Word when our cry comes before Him. So let's cry. Let's pray. Father, we do come to You. And we ask that you would give us exactly what your word promises. We pray that you would give us understanding according to your word. Father, we thank you that your word is not a closed book for those who belong to you, but that your spirit opens the eyes of our understanding so that we might be able to grasp the things that you have freely given to us here in this book. Father, we thank you for how this book is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and it guides us in which way to go. And Father, we thank you that as you have given us this great mission of reaching this world for Jesus, you have not left us in the dark of how to do that, but you have even given us instructions on how to develop a life that underlines the gospel rather than undermines it. So Father, teach us today, give us understanding, and give us grace to walk in the way of your commandments. Give us the grace to do so as we have it in Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as I already stated and as we studied last week, Peter instructs believing husbands to live with their wives and to live with their wives in an understanding way Why? So that you would know how you can show honor to them. So that you can know how to show honor to them. Show respect towards her. To show how valuable and important she is by our attitudes, by our actions, and by our sensitivities. And one of the awesome things that came out in growth group is, is, uh, you know, you only know how to do that not by reading a book, but by literally getting to know your wife. Because the way that shows her value and importance is going to be different for each and every marriage. And so that's why we've got to dwell with our wives in an understanding way so that we can know how to show them the honor and the value and the importance that we ought to show them in marriage. We ought to dwell with our wives in an understanding way in order to be able to show them honor 
in a way that they can see and appreciate. And before we even dive into the rest of this passage as we're going to look at the illustration and the reasons for showing respectful sensitivity, I want us to just take a moment before we look at these verses this morning, and I want us to fully appreciate how counter-cultural this idea of showing the woman value and importance, how countercultural that idea was to the ancient world. The ancient world, if you've never studied this topic before, had little to no respect of women. I was frankly appalled as I began my study this week, and I'm just going to try to summarize it as quickly as possible for you, so that you can get a sense of what the world was like before the teachings of Christ and Christianity came. Because the ancient world had little to no respect for, for women, and the spread of Christianity changed that. See, the ancient Greek and Roman culture postulated that men and women might actually be two separate species, right? Men are from Mars, women from Venus, you've heard that, right? They actually postulated that they were separate species, and the men were superior and closer to the gods, and the women were inferior and closer to the animal kingdom. And that discrimination and disrespect wasn't just theoretical that was talked about in scholarly locations. It trickled down into everyday life in the ancient Greek and Roman Empire in multitude of ways. For instance, uh, Athenian men viewed women at best as necessary inconveniences whose only place was to keep house and to produce babies for the further development of humanity. In ancient Rome, women were not allowed to work in government, were not allowed to possess any earthly goods, and were not even allowed to make public suggestions to men. In fact, under Roman law, husbands possessed nearly dictatorial power, being allowed to sell their family members into slavery, abuse them, and even kill them with little to no legal consequences. It might have been looked down upon by many, but at the same time, they could act with impunity if they desired. Wives could be beaten or disowned if they offended their husbands in any way. This was considered in that culture a private matter and was entirely under the husband's control. Roman law said that wives could be killed not only for suspected adultery, but also for simply walking around outside insufficiently covered for the tastes of their husbands. It was into this type of world that Christianity suddenly exploded, stating in contrast to the world's culture, husbands honor your wives respect your wives be sensitive towards your wives don't look down upon who she is but exalt her in who she is and demonstrate by your attitudes and actions how great her value and her importance is as someone who is a joint and equal heir alongside you of the grace of life That was a huge cultural shift, absolutely enormous, one that would have been extreme when you put yourself in the position of these readers, one that would have been extreme for husbands who had just trusted and were in the beginning processes of being transformed by Jesus to adjust to. These husbands would have needed a lot of help in knowing exactly, because they didn't see good examples around them, of knowing how exactly that honor was to look like. And, and why honor of all actions ought to be given to their wives. And so Peter provides that here in verse 7. At the end of verse 7, by giving us the illustration and the reasons for respecting your wife. So let's begin with the illustration of respecting your wife there at the end of verse 7. 
or in the middle part of verse 7, where Peter tells husbands here that they are to show honor to the woman, he says, as the weaker vessel. And I've titled this section after much, 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 much study, the illustration of respecting your wife very purposely, and I'll tell you why. It's because many people look at this expression, and they say, this is the reason. They don't say this is the illustration. They say this is the reason why you're supposed to respect your wife. It's because she is the weaker vessel. I don't think that's what Peter's saying here at all. I don't believe that Peter is commenting on the nature of women. I believe Peter is commenting on the nature of the honor that we're to be showing women. And there are three reasons why I believe this to be the case. The first reason is a nerdy Greek reason that I'm going to try to keep as simple as possible. And that is word usage. Word usage. This word as or hos in the Greek is singular here when it's referring to vessel, but it's plural later when it's referring to women being heirs. Now that is not a definitive proof or argument by any estimation, I get that, but it at least indicates that Peter's likely not making a direct equivalency uh, of women being actually being weaker vessels here. Therefore, this illustration here is not commenting on the nature of women, but on the nature of the honor to be shown to women. You begin to see that indicated through the word usage. The second reason why I believe that this phrase is illustrating the type of honor to be shown women is because of the contradictory alternative. Think about it this with me. If Peter is describing what a woman is, rather than describing how we are to treat them, then hasn't Peter just contradicted the very commandment he has just given? Think about it. Respect your wife. Why? Because she's weaker than you. Honor the woman. Value her. View her as valuable and important and as great worth. Why? Because she's a poor, fragile, delicate little thing. Congratulations. I'm sure she feels very respected right now. See, if someone was to walk up to me, right, and say, Pastor, you are so wonderfully weak. I wouldn't view that as respectful. I'd view that as disrespectful, and as demeaning, and frankly, contradictory. So the first reason I believe Peter is commenting not on the nature of the woman, but on the nature of the honor to be shown the woman, is first, because of the usage of the word. Second, because of the contradictory alternative. And then finally, because of the spiritual focus of this passage. Think about this. Peter's focus in writing all of this, these, these paragraphs of truth, Peter's focus throughout the section has been unwaveringly spiritual. This is how you are to act spiritually, he says, because this is where your leaders, this is where your supervisors, and this is where your husband is spiritually. This has been Peter's laser focus and approach throughout the section. So why, think about this, why would Peter suddenly shift focus now and suddenly argue in this way? Well, this is how you're supposed to act spiritually because this is who your wife is, not spiritually, but physically and emotionally. That just doesn't make sense. In fact, if you want to insist that this phrase is describing the nature of the woman at all, I think the only leg you have to stand on is to argue that Peter is describing the spiritual nature of the wife in question, namely a wife who is spiritually weak, unable, unsaved. And that actually is a tenable argument in context when you consider that this whole discussion is centered on the topic of what? Evangelism. Of reaching the unsaved beginning with your own unsaved spouse. And weak 
is definitely a biblical description of someone who is without Christ, without God, and unsaved, as we see both in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and 1 Corinthians 9, 22. So if you want to insist here, if you really want to die on this hill, that Peter is describing the nature of the woman rather than the nature of the honor to be shown the woman, I think you only have biblical warrant for saying that spiritually in the context of Peter's broader topic of evangelism. Where, if you want to look at it this way, where an unsaved wife... Next to her saved husband, she is spiritually weak. She is without strength. She is unable to believe in Jesus Christ and respond to the truth. She's spiritually incapable of believing. And therefore, rather than trying to force or manipulate his wife into believing, as pagan husbands would often try to do, you must take my religion, the believing husband should do what? We've already seen it. He should dwell with his wife in an understanding way, knowing that she is spiritually incapable of believing apart from the grace of God, no matter how much you would want her to. And therefore, in light of understanding the spiritual weakness of your unsaved wife, the believing husband should do what? He should dwell with his wife in an understanding way and pray, pray, pray that God would give her spiritual grace and strength to believe and to obey. And in the meantime, what is he going to do? He's going to treat her at all times with respect and sensitivity so that his prayers for her salvation would not be hindered by his disrespectful conduct. I think that's the only consistent interpretation you can take if this passage is being used to describe the nature of the woman as some so strongly insist. But again, I think because of the usage of the word, the contradictory alternative and the spiritual focus of this passage, I am fairly confident that this phrase, as the weaker vessel, is describing not the nature of women as a blanket statement, but rather the nature of the honor to be shown the woman as a blanket statement, whether she is weaker than him spiritually or not. Whether she's saved or unsaved, she is, be treated as, she is to be treated by the husband with honor as one would treat a weaker vessel. Or as, if you want to use a modern illustration, as we might treat fine china, the fine china of the ancient world. This is the vessel that's talked about in 2 Timothy 2.21 that is fit for honor, that is set apart, that is special and valuable and only handled in the most gentle and careful of manners. Peter says here, you are to treat your wife like that like the most important and most valuable earthly thing that you possess. Show honor to your wife just as people show honor and respect towards their fine china. So let's think about this. How do people treat fine china? I mean, we're having to break this down very basic. How do we treat fine china? Well, first, they're proud of it, right? That's why we have, at least a lot of wives want, what? China cabinets, right? So they can put all their really beautiful dishes up for everyone to see. They're proud of it. They display it. They don't hide it in some dark corner. They're not ashamed of it. They display fine china and they're proud to be associated with it. When they have the best guests over, they bring out the best dishes, right? This is how husbands are to be when it comes to their wives. And that's what we saw last week. We're to live with our wives and we're not to be ashamed to be associated with them. Why? Because again, that's how Christ is with us. Hebrews 2, verses 11-14 through 14 says of Christ that He was not ashamed to call us brothers, having taken part in flesh and blood, same as we. So Jesus isn't ashamed to be associated with us. Therefore, we shouldn't be ashamed as husbands to be associated with our wives either. 
people ought to know and they ought to be able to see that I consider my wife to be, let me put it this way, the most important and valuable relationship that I have here on earth. She is my better half, as we use in our cultural expression, right? She's my fine china. Second only to salvation, she is the best earthly gift God has ever given to me, and I want everyone to know that. That's how we're to treat our wives. So husbands, we're to proudly associate with and to live with our wives. Second, people are not only proud of fine china, but they're protective of it also, are they not? Whoops, I was fine. They're protective of it. They keep fine china safe. It's another reason why they put it in a china cabinet, right? They handle it carefully and protect it from danger. This is how we as husbands are to be towards our wives. As Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Be sensitive, be caring, and be protective towards them. Because again, this is how Christ was towards us. Ephesians 5.29 says that Christ nourishes and He cherishes us. He handles us with gentleness and compassion. And again, remember back in 1 Peter 2.24, it says that He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. In other words, what did Christ do? He protected us from eternal, everlasting harm. He showed us indescribable, matchless, undeserving care and honor. How? By protecting us. He was gentle. This is how He is towards us. A bruised reed He does not break. And therefore, because Jesus is not ashamed of us, because Jesus proudly associates Himself with us and protects us, we ought to proudly associate with and protect our wives also. She's not the old ball and chain. She is the best earthly gift God has ever given you. You're not trying to find ways, husbands, to get out of the house. You're trying to find ways to show Jesus more by getting into it. This is our calling. You're to cherish her. Proudly associate yourself with her. And protect her. Protect her. And there's a whole sermon that could be in there. <laughs> we ought to love and honor our wives as though they are our fine china and the greatest earthly gift God has ever given us. Does your wife feel like that? Does she feel like she's being treated as the best part of your life? Or does she feel like she's the bracket and support that's just trying to hold up your earthly kingdom and ambitions? We're to love and honor them is the greatest earthly gift God has given us. This is the illustration of respecting your wife. Show honor to the woman like or as the weaker vessel. I mean, that's why I gave that handout, which is available again today for all of us as husbands, so that we can just practically ask ourselves some questions. How can I actually show honor to her today? This is the illustration of respecting your wife. Show honor to the woman like or as the weaker vessel. Why? Well, that brings us next 
to the reasons for respecting your wife. The reasons for respecting your wife. And that's the end of verse 7. Beyond just the call to respect your wife because it honors and reflects Jesus, Peter gives these believing husbands who are struggling to transition to a now God-honoring role in their marriages, he gives them two more reasons why they ought to respect their wives beyond just that it reflects Jesus and has an evangelistic effect. He gives them first a theological reason to respect their wives, followed by a practical reason. So a theological followed by a practical. So first, the theological reason why believing husbands ought to respect their wives, even if they're unsaved. Here it is. Because he says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now that doesn't mean saving grace or eternal life. That word grace simply is gift in the Greek. And life simply means life. And Peter's saying, husbands, you ought to honor your wife because contrary to what your pagan culture is telling you, that she's inferior and not equal to you in this life, God is reminding you, no, she deserves your honor and respect because you are equals. She's a co-heir with you of the gift of life. And I think what Peter's doing here in in these verses is really what he does later on at the end of this chapter. At the end of this chapter, he grounds his argument in the book of Genesis into the very origins of humanity itself when God first gives the gift of life. Genesis 2 tells us that God gave the breath of life, that is physical and spiritual life, the capacity to know God. God gave the image of God to who? Men only? No. Okay. Boy, all of you husbands are in the doghouse this afternoon. (laughs) God gave the image of himself. The reflection of his character and his attributes. He bestowed upon that to both men and women. In the image of God created he, them, male and female. And Peter's point is simple. Women are not inferior. They are by creation and by nature equal. Contrary to what people say earlier. They are by creation and nature equal to you men and heirs with you of the grace of life. They have as much spiritual capacity to come to know and reflect God in Christ Jesus as you do. Therefore, honor them. Cherish them. Live with them and show them the respectful sensitivity of Christ Himself. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. So He gives us the theological reason. This is the practical reason. You ought to live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to her every day. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. And what prayers are those? The context is pretty clear. They're the husband's prayers for her wife and most likely prayers for her salvation. Just like a believing wife needs to make sure that she doesn't undercut her efforts to win her husband to Jesus Christ by showing disrespectful and impure conduct, a believing husband needs to make sure that, she doesn't, that he doesn't undercut his efforts to win his wife by showing disrespectful and insensitive conduct. And we can expand this beyond just marriage relationships, which again, should be entirely another sermon. If you want your efforts for evangelism to count for anything, then you must, as a a follower of Jesus, you must show honor and respect continually. If you don't, your evangelism will be ineffective. 
You can pray for people's souls day in and day out, but if you treat them with disrespect, good luck seeing any of those prayers ever being answered because you're undermining the very message that you're giving by your life. You can pray for someone's salvation until you're blue in the face, but they will not listen to one word you have to say about Jesus until you demonstrate the goodness of Jesus and the life of Jesus. Until you show them the sacrificial and helpful, respectful sensitivity of Jesus himself. But here's the hope. Just as Peter reminded the wives that their husbands may yet be one, so Peter reminds husbands who are in the same situation of the exact same things as well. If you heed God's call here, and if you show your wife, even your unbelieving wife, honor, your prayers will not be hindered. No one's a lost cause believer. No one is. God can save them just like they saved you. Just like God saved you. As 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you were straying like sheep, but what's happened? You've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's what God did for you, and it's what God can do for your wife, even if she doesn't believe in Jesus. And that's what God can do for absolutely anyone that you're unbeliever that you're living with and working with and studying next to. So husbands, live with your wives, honor your wives, pray for your wives. And if you do, your prayers will not be hindered. But instead, by God's grace, they will have their full effect in the life of the one you love and cherish so deeply. And we can expand this beyond evangelism, can't we? Because not only is the need of every human heart to know Jesus, the need of every human heart is to know Jesus more. And so your burden as a husband is not only that your wife would believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Your burden as the husband is that your wife would come to know and love Jesus more dearly than she does now. Guess how you do that? You live with your wife. You honor her. And you pray for her. And if you do that, your prayers, God says here, will not be hindered by your own actions. By God's grace, they'll have their full effect in the life of the one you love. And so this is how we as elect exiles impact the world for Christ beginning in our own households. It's through relationships, starting in our own homes, starting in our own marriages. And Peter's clear, if our Christianity doesn't work at home, then it doesn't work at all. See, Christianity is not an arm's length religion. It's a transforming relationship. Where we don't keep people out there and we just give them a message. Christianity is a transforming relationship where we invite people to come further up and further in where we invite people to come nearer and closer to us so that they can see the genuineness of our faith and the goodness of our Savior. That's everyday evangelism. As we consider the great need of our hour and this new generation that must be one for Christ, Let us renew our focus on those who ought to be on the front lines of our Great Commission efforts. It's our own husbands. It's our own wives. 
It's our own children. It's, it's evangelizing our families. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs of you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This week, husbands, let's commit ourselves to developing within ourselves the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Let's commit ourselves, husbands, to adorn the hidden person of our hearts with the virtue of Jesus so that we can invite our wives and our children and our neighbors and our friends closer into ourselves so that they can see the life of Christ more clearly. This is the Word of God from 1 Peter 3.7, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience in the fervent care of one another until Christ, who is the giver of all our good gifts, returns. To that end, let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for the image of Jesus, even as we've been looking at these instructions for us as husbands. Father, I thank you that you were a God that did not dwell afar off, but you came and you dwelt with us. Now you took on flesh and, bless, flesh and blood and you truly know our frame, that we are but dust. And that you have shown us respect and honor that is undeserving of who we are and how we act on a daily basis. And Father, we thank you that because of this, we are born again. We have been transformed and are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. So Father, I pray that what we have received, we would reflect Help us to meditate on the gospel this week and the love of Christ so that we might be able to turn, I think, of husbands to our wives and we would love them as Christ loves us. That we would strive to be with them so that we might know them, so that we might respect them, not for the sake of our marriage, but for the sake of their own devotion to Jesus Christ. Help us to recognize, Father, this week that evangelism, everyday evangelism begins with relationships. And help us to dive into these relationships by committing ourselves to show respect and honor towards all as Christ has shown us. By your grace, Father, help us to be found faithful in knowing, loving, serving, and showing Jesus to those that you've entrusted to our gospel care. Use us for the sake of their salvation, their sanctification, and the honor of your great name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.